1420 WBSM presents Ray Lance of the USA Wealth Group. It's time to get your finances in order. Money Wise starts now. And good Sunday morning, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to Money Wise. Money Wise is brought to you every Sunday morning at this time by USA Wealth Group. This morning we're joined by attorney Tenny Lance. Good morning, Tenny. Good morning. We're going to talk about a very important subject today. I want to read something to you as we begin. Alzheimer's is a disease for which there is no effective treatment whatsoever. To be clear, there is no pharmaceutical agent, no magic pill that a doctor can prescribe that will have any significant effect on the progressive downhill course of this disease. David Perlmutter. Today we're going to talk about Alzheimer's. So thank you for joining us. And we have two very special guests with us this morning. We have uh, Marissa Bresnahan. Is that the correct pronunciation? Yes, that is correct. <laughs> Good. That's a Swedish name, correct? No, it's Irish. I, I yeah. knew that. I knew oh. That. <laughs> <laughs> well, good morning. Um, you probably won't need to, but pull the mic up right pull, closer oh. to your, your speaking voice. Is that voice. good? Yes, that's okay. excellent. So, um, Marissa, you're a development officer for Southeastern and South Shore, Massachusetts, Walk to End Alzheimer's. Um, now, you also are full-time employed by the Alzheimer's Association. What's the actual name of the organization? The actual name is Alzheimer's and Related Dementia Diseases okay. Association, but Alzheimer's Association tends to flow a little bit nicer. So right. we are the Alzheimer's Association. Specifically, I work for the Massachusetts New Hampshire chapter, Okay. and our office is based out of Waltham. And you made the journey from Waltham today, didn't yes, you? Yes, I did. Well, thank you for making that trip. This is a very important topic. It's a very important subject, and we have lots and lots of things to talk to you about today. Ladies and gentlemen, I would venture to guess that you have somebody in your family who has had dementia or possibly Alzheimer's. There's a difference, and we're going to talk about the differences. We're going to talk about how to help people who have this uh, horrible disease and horrible affliction. And we're going to talk about some things that you might need to do to help prepare if you think that somebody is concerned about not being able to handle affairs for themselves. We're also joined this morning by Barbara Meehan, another Swedish name. Is that right? <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> It's funny how those names all sound the same, don't they? <laughs> My heritage is actually Swedish, so I can joke about it. Uh, okay. um, now, Barbara, you're a number one volunteer, as I understand. I do a lot for <laughs> Alzheimer's advocacy. So you're currently the co-chairman, uh, co-chair uh, of the South Coast Walk to End Alzheimer's in Fall River. You're a policy advocate. You're a support group leader. And you are an Alzheimer's Partnership member. And I am a former caregiver. Okay. And you've been in the teaching profession also, I have. haven't you? Yes. I was um, taught English and then I was a guidance counselor for 27 years. Mm. What grade level did you teach English mm. at? Uh, 7 through 12. Oh, okay. Well, that's good. Then you're a person after my heart because my major in college was English, English literature. Mine also. Oh, really? And then there's no jobs after. <laughs> no. So um, have you written your novel yet? No, but I've written my memoir. Oh, good. Excellent. <laughs> about Alzheimer's. Good. Okay. Well, we're going to talk about Alzheimer's today. Uh, what's the correct, correct pronunciation? I've always called it Alzheimer's. Is, it, is that okay or is it Alzheimer's? Yep. That's correct. It's a, it's, um, so the, ter the name Alzheimer 
is call is comes from Dr. Alos Alzheimer. I knew he, that. He's mm. the man who discovered the disease mm-hmm. a, a little over 100 years ago. So that's we call Alzheimer's disease. It's the disease he discovered. Right. So, and but, it is actually a disease. It's not just a condition. Correct. 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 So Alzheimer's is the disease that causes dementia. Okay. And there can be different diseases that cause dementia. So let's talk about What's dementia and what's Alzheimer's? What's the difference between the two? Because I think probably many people tend to think that they're the same thing, but they're not, are they? No. um, People tend to think um, that dementia is an illness. Dementia is a symptom of a variety of illnesses, Alzheimer's being the most prevalent. But then there is Lewy body dementia, frontal lobe Dementia, mm-hmm. uh, Parkinson's-related dementia, right, um, and um, we're now finding um, that there is a lot of dementia, Alzheimer's-like occurring with individuals with Down syndrome. Hmm. Um, hmm. So, I have when I do um, health fairs, I have to explain to people dementia isn't the Ill- dementia is a part of these illnesses. Right. Uh, it is not an illness. By itself. That's a very important distinction. Dementia itself is not really a specific disease. It's just a general overall term that describes a whole wide range of symptoms, um, mostly associated with a decline in memory, for example, or thinking skills. And dementia is something which means that people can't perform a lot of their normal everyday activities, and they might need some assistance. But Alzheimer's is a disease. It's something different. And uh, what's so? Tell me what Alzheimer's is. It's a disease. We know that um, some of the symptoms of Alzheimer's will relate to the loss of mental ability. Um, I've heard that it's very difficult to diagnose and to say that somebody has Alzheimer's. Is that correct, or am I mistaken? I th- I think that at least in the past it was very definitely. The only way to actually diagnose it was at autopsy. Right, um, after somebody died. But mm-hmm. now um, brain imaging, PET scans have made it uh, more – made physicians more able, along with the fact that I think if you've seen enough of it, um, our neurologist who diagnosed my partner, um, his mom had Alzheimer's. So he was, I think, able to recognize – that this is what her dementia was as opposed to any of the other dementias. So again, just to sort of summarize this by way of definition, dementia is an overall form of mental decline, and it's more associated with aging but not necessarily. Right. Whereas Alzheimer's is a specific disease. Right. And we we like to say that Alzheimer's and dementia is not a natural part of aging. No. It's... It's okay. definitely not a natural part, and that's how we're trying to break down that stigma that it is an unnatural uh, mm. occurrence of growing older. So I've also learned that uh, most people with the Alzheimer's disease are diagnosed after the age of 65, but I also know people even in, in our own uh, client populations that we deal with, Tenny, that uh, have somebody in their family with early onset uh, dementia, early onset, early onset Alzheimer's even. Yes, it's very sad when we see those situations. Many people in their 50s will 
um, be determined to have something that's causing a mental loss. And it's just very difficult for everyone to deal with. Well, here's a couple of other interesting statistics. Every 66 seconds, somebody in the United States develops the disease known as Alzheimer's. Every 66 seconds. Alzheimer's is also the sixth leading cause of death in the United States. And um, is that because the brain starts to shut down, basically? So just to tack on a little bit to that, it's the sixth leading cause of death in the United States and the only one in the top ten that cannot be slowed down or cured. Okay, that's very important. Mm. And there is a lot of – and so, you know, it's raked number six right now. But if you look at, I believe, pneumonia is number three. But Mm. a lot of Alzheimer's patients die due to pneumonia. So their death is classified as pneumonia. Okay. So you have a lot of um, misrepresentation of how people die because dementia is shutting down the body. So they start to lose function functionality of their body. So they're losing motor skill abilities. They're losing the ability to swallow. Their organs are shutting down. So they're starting to lose different capabilities. Each patient is different with how it affects their body. But mm-hmm. for the most part, they will die from an illness due to dementia, due to the brain shrinking, due to parts of their brain be- starting to deteriorate and lose the ability to properly run the body. I think one of the scariest things that people think about and look at is fear of losing mental capacity, fear of having dementia, fear of having Alzheimer's. I know it, it is for me. I'd rather be physically incapacitated than have my brain go away and not know where I was or you know, not be able to take care of myself. So we're going to talk about a few more really horrible, nasty things. But as we go along, ladies and gentlemen, we're going to also talk about some things that you can do to put off dementia and, and take care of yourself a little differently perhaps than what you are right now, which might not necessarily prevent something happening, but certainly slow down the process or delay the onset of some of these nasty things. And hopefully we'll talk as well about how to handle a dementia situation if you find yourself in one. Um, Yelling and and contradicting is probably not the way to do uh, any kind of caregiving. So we'll talk about that as well. You going to make me tell my story again? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, we'll do that. Well, just a reminder, we're talking with Attorney Tenny Lance. We're talking with Barbara Meehan uh, and also Marissa Bresnahan. Um, this sounds like an important partnership, Meehan and Bresnahan. <laughs> or cough drops. We should. We should start a company. Cough drops or something. Ooh. Now that you say that, yeah. like I the like Smith that Brothers. idea. <laughs> Well, we're very pleased to have you here. Marissa, let me come back to you for a minute. Uh, You've been uh, most kind to come all the way from Waltham to the studio in Fairhaven to Mm -hmm. uh, help us prepare this show. Um, What exactly is your title with the Alzheimer's Association? So my title is technically development officer, but what that means is I am a walk manager. So I manage the walk to end Alzheimer's in southeastern Massachusetts. So what that means is I do the walk in Plymouth and I do the walk in Fall River. Mm -hmm. So I manage both of those walks. And my job is everything from logistics day of to the walks, which we usually have in September, to recruiting volunteers. I have a volunteer planning committee for each walk that helps me plan, and that's where Barbara comes into play. She is the co-chair of my Fall River Walk Planning Committee. Um, so it's really we try and have it be a volunteer driven event because this event is for 
the people out there. It's for the caregivers going through the disease. It's for people who have lost loved ones. And we like it to be a real community-driven event with people from the community involved. And that usually takes place around in November, doesn't it? September. September, so, okay. Yeah, usually the last two weekends in September. Um, between Massachusetts and New Hampshire, we have 12 walks. So chances are there's one in your area. Okay. And so we have them between uh, usually the third and fourth weekend in September. The Fall River Walk is usually the fourth weekend in the fourth Saturday in September, and then the walk in Plymouth is the third Saturday. Well, what we'll have to do is give periodic reminders during the course of the year as we do this show about Mm -hmm. when those walks are taking place and so we can invite people to participate and support them financially. Um, I know you also do financial fundraising. Yes. Yep. Fundraising, Um, big part. Because I've received several solicitations already. Um, and so I'm very familiar with that. I put you on a list. You probably did. <laughs> Feel free to donate. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm checking it twice. <laughs> well, a couple more uh, unpleasant things about Alzheimer's, and then we're going to talk about some things to uh, protect yourself, protect your family, and even some things that you can do, as I said, to put off this horrible thing known as Alzheimer's. Um, right now, I've, I've read that Alzheimer's kills more people than breast cancer and prostate cancer combined. Yep. That's amazing. Mm-hmm. You know, we're all fearful uh, as women with uh, about breast cancer. Men are fearful about prostate cancer. I could name a half a dozen people right now that I know who have either had or still have prostate cancer, for example. And you could probably do the same thing with breast cancer. Mm-hmm. And so it's it's much more known, and yet... People don't think about the fact that Alzheimer's actually kills and impacts more people than those two diseases combined. Mm -hmm. And there's actually a great statistic that is one in three people will have Alzheimer's. So you yourself will have it or you'll be taking care of somebody that has it. That's really scary. Wow, that is scary. (laughs) So I'll tell you a story about Tenny and myself. Um, Tenny, attorney Tenny Lance, her mother ended up with dementia and Alzheimer's and in a nursing home and my mother ended up in a nursing home with dementia and Alzheimer's and so sometimes we say that genetically one of us is likely to end up with Alzheimer's but I said it's not going to be me not going to be me (laughs) (laughs) so we keep telling each other (laughs) good that's a good mentality it is a good mentality you have to do that so um my mom was really very much a driving force in my life. Mm-hmm. Um, she was always there to support me. She was always there to uh, congratulate me and, and tell me I had done well when I got good grades in school. Um, she was the person that was you know, much more powerful as an influence in my life than my dad because my dad was away a lot. He was in the Marine Corps and uh, a number of times during my growing up, um, he was off station someplace else. But um, my mom ended up with uh, dementia and uh, most likely Alzheimer's. It was never officially diagnosed, but it was a clear downhill progression, everything from nursing home and assisted living to, in the end, a nursing home. And she was always very proud of me. She had three children, but she was always very proud of me, and she would introduce me. Um, One of the problems began because she started to introduce me to people on the television set. And that was one of the early signs that we realized that things weren't going well. And I'd come in, and there would be a weatherman on the television, and she would say, and this is my son, Ray, and try to introduce me to the guy on the television set. You know, and it was it's really um, very discomforting and, and, and heartbreaking, really. 
We did a lot with her. Um, she supported us a lot. But in the end, when she was in the nursing home, you know, we visited her frequently, and um, she would say, this is my son. This is my son, Ray. Then I went one time, and she said, uh, this is my son. This is my son. And she was introducing me to nurses and patients as we were walking down the hall. This is my son. And then I, I took a hold of her and made her look at me, and I said, Mom, what's my name? And she just looked at me, and she just didn't answer. And I said, what's my name, Mom? And she didn't answer. Mom, what's my name? And she looked at me and she said, dummy. (laughs) (laughs) And I laughed and I gave her a big hug and I felt terrible that I had done this thing to my mother, you know. And I said, I'll never do that again to her, you know, to make her feel uncomfortable that she couldn't remember my name. Mm -hmm. And my mother remembered your name but not mine. That's true. (laughs) (laughs) Um, My partner – Almost from the very beginning of being diagnosed, um, it was always 1980 and Jack Kennedy was the president. Mm. And that was very, very consistent. We were at my sister's one time and my sister said to her, Faye, how old are you? Without a moment's hesitation, she said 40 and that's how old she was Mm. in 1980. and and it took me a while to figure out why 1980 and Jack Kennedy, but I did. Um, But it is – it's the moment they don't know who you are is probably the most devastating um, mm-hmm. moment. Um, and especially um, on my case, uh, my partner began to show noticeable signs at 67, was diagnosed at 68, and died at 75, mm-hmm. which was way too young. Yeah. Yep, uh, it is. Way too young. Well, I think of Alzheimer's as a kind of a white gooey mess that happens around the cells of your brain. Is that anywhere near reality? <laughs> Yes, it's um it's called plaque. Plaque and and yeah, amyloid plaque um and tau and it's I don't scientifically can't really explain it, but I was an English major. Um it, it but it does it wraps around the cells in your brain and um gradually and and I saw this with Faye, um they begin to lose as it progresses from one section of the brain to another, uh, lose basic abilities. Um, um, I would have to help her get dressed. I would mm-hmm. have to help her um, do the very basic things. Um, and you have to watch every second uh, because there are those things that you take for granted. And one time she had gone in the bathroom to brush her teeth and she was taking a little longer and I went in and she was all set. A neighbor had given us liquid soap called citrus. She was all set to drink it because citrus in her mind was a juice. Mm. Um, and fortunately I stopped it. Um, but uh, it's it's not grasping uh, basic things. We'd be driving down the street and she'd say, oh, my God, look at those people. They just parked all over the street. They left their cars everywhere. And I was like, no, they parked their cars. If someone ahead of me stopped for a red light or a stop sign, why did he just do that? Why did he just stop all of a sudden? And it's, well, because there was a red light. Mm. He had to stop. Um, and there is the the issue of wandering, um, getting lost, um, That's a scary thing. I refer to it as as anyone who has been a caregiver probably has a big episode in his or her life 
uh, with their loved one. Ours occurred um, on Faye's 68th birthday when she went to buy plants at the farm stand, which is five minutes from our house. And at one o'clock in the morning, I was driving to Concord, Mass., to get her because she had ended up on 495 and drove until she ran out of gas. Mm. Um, probably one of one of the worst days of my life because you imagine all of the the worst possible things. Oh, sure. um, and it's frightening. It's really frightening. And people had to. I know people from my support group who would have to put um, locks at the top of the door um, and bells or alarms mm-hmm. because of the wandering issue. Um, I remember with your mom, Ray, we we had to have your mother evaluated in order to determine whether she should be at home or whether she should be in a care facility. And a lady came to evaluate her. She was living in a little cottage in our backyard, and I we were in the big house. So I was up in my bedroom, and I looked out the window, and lo and behold, your mother came out the door and got into the car with this person. I'd never seen this person before, didn't have any idea what was going on with her, and ran downstairs, and, and I didn't know if somebody was kidnapping her or what was going on. She was ready to go away with this person. Well, the other um, couple of incidents, too. And, and let me say that, you know, we all have moments of forgetfulness. We all get tired. We get stressed. We get overworked. You can't remember where you, where you put your keys. Have you ever uh, forgotten where you put your keys, for example? All the time. (laughs) You do frequently. Yesterday. That doesn't mean you're losing your mind. They were in my jacket pocket. I was losing my mind. But it doesn't mean that you're getting dementia. These are all routine things because we're just too busy. Life is too busy. Or I don't remember. I don't know my son's cell phone number. Why? Because it's programmed in my phone. I just push (laughs) one button. So I haven't taken the trouble to learn his phone number. So there are many, many things like that. And don't get scared, ladies and gentlemen, if you're listening thinking, oh, my God, I'm developing Alzheimer's or dementia. It doesn't mean that at all. These are normal things. The not normal things are when you start talking to a television set or when you totally forget you put something on the stove and it burns all the way to the bottom, which my mother did. Or she had – I'll tell you only one more story about my mom and then we'll move on to other things. But – we had an episode where she turned on a, a lamp and the light bulb flashed and burned out, a common occurrence. Mm-hmm. She panicked and thought her house was on fire, the little cottage, and she called the fire department. So we had fire trucks all over our grass with nice dig, big ruts <laughs> on the grass. <laughs> but that's when you start to think it's time to evaluate, it's time to look. Mm-hmm. Um, one in three seniors uh, apparently does die with Alzheimer's or another form of dementia. That's a lot. Mm-hmm. So what are some of the things that we can do to forestall things? Um, how about exercise? Yep, exercise. Diet, watch diet. what you eat. We say Mediterranean diet, mm-hmm. healthy fats, you know, olive oil, and you can still have a glass of red wine. That's, that's, that's important. <laughs> or two. <laughs> or two. Not, not in excess, but, you know, enjoy it. Think of – Kenny's an expert. Exactly. <laughs> Wonderful. Think if you're sitting on a Greek island, what would you be eating? And that is what we say. That's how I like to think about it. (laughs) You know, good fish, um, olives, just anything that you know is good for your body will be good for your brain. Mm -hmm. But we suggest Mediterranean diet is the best diet. Um, There are studies that show it helps, but it does not cure the disease. Um, But it is getting into a healthy lifestyle of exercising, of eating well, and, you know, staying 
mental, mentally stimulated, reading books, being active, having social activity. Yeah, social, is a big part. social life. Social life is a big part of it as well. If you're isolated. Going that's, to a club, going to a community center, going exactly. to a church. Exactly. Get, getting lunch with, fr- with a friend. Is, the, a, is a huge thing. The easiest thing you can do for exercise is just go go for a walk every day. Mm-hmm. And even if it's cold, yeah. put on warm clothes, go for a walk. Keep the body moving. Don't put a lot of junk in your body. Don't smoke. Um, don't take drugs, obviously. Right. But all those things are going to be uh, able to help you have a longer, better lifestyle. Um, when people are diagnosed with Alzheimer's, the average life expectancy after diagnosis is about 8 or 10, ten years. It can be shorter. It can be longer. But mm-hmm. the average is about 8 or 10 years. So we're going to talk a little bit more about healthy lifestyle and, and how to um, do more to keep your body going. And I'm going to tell you about a little news story I saw this morning on television or the other day. And then we're going to talk a little bit about some things that you need to think about legally. What kind of documents should you have in place so that if you can no longer make decisions or if you're diagnosed as no longer being able to make an informed decision, it might be too late. So you've got to do some things ahead of time. When we come back right after a short break, we're going to talk about some of those very specific things that we can do to take care of other people and to take care of ourselves. So stay tuned. We will be right back. And welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome back to MoneyWise. We're so happy to have you with us this morning. We're talking about Alzheimer's. I'd like to read a quotation from a very famous person. My philosophy of life is that if we make up our mind what we are going to make of our lives, then work hard towards that goal, we never lose. Somehow we win out. Ronald Reagan. Ronald Reagan is a very noteworthy, famous example of somebody who did a wonderful job, I think, as president. was very articulate. He was the great communicator, and he ended up his life with Alzheimer's. Mm -hmm. And uh, Nancy Reagan did a wonderful job taking care of him. But there are a lot of um, famous people that we hear about once in a while. Sandra Day O'Connor, a former justice of the United States Supreme Court, she ended up being a caregiver. Because her husband, unfortunately, had Alzheimer's, and she took care of him for uh, the end of his life. So we're this morning we're meeting um, with Barbara Meehan and Marissa Bresnahan. Marissa is the development manager for the Alzheimer's Association based in Waltham, but you cover the whole of southeastern Massachusetts. Yes. And uh, you're also very much involved in the various Alzheimer's walks throughout the year to mm-hmm. – help raise awareness as well as raise funds. Um, Hopefully we'll find more treatment. Right now there is no treatment for Alzheimer's. It's a disease for which there is no cure. There's no medicine. Um, It's just a progressive, you know, bad thing, unfortunately. And also with uh, Barbara Meehan. Barbara has been an educator for her whole life, an English major. And um, she had a partner who died of Alzheimer's. She's been a caregiver as well. Let's talk a little bit about the caregiver side of um, somebody uh, taking care of somebody who has Alzheimer's. It's a lot of hard work, isn't it? Very often caregivers end up uh, passing away before their loved one does. Uh, it's a 24-7 responsibility. Uh, it takes a toll physically, emotionally, 
and certainly financially. Uh, and for us, shortly after I had to make the decision that Faye needed to be in long-term care, I ended up in the hospital myself because mm. I had not been taking care of myself. Uh, and and we try to say to caregivers, take care of yourself, um, which is, in my opinion, way easier said than done. Um, one of the most important things I think a caregiver can do is to find a support group uh, to attend or a phone support group. Uh, I think that my caregiver, my sanity was saved by being in a support group here in Fairhaven uh, for all the time that Faye was alive uh, because you are with people who get it. Mm -hmm. And people may think they know what it's like to care for someone with dementia, but until you live with it, you don't know. Um, and, and that's what all of, you know, certainly the two of you know that, um, and I know Marissa knows it. Uh, it's, um, it's not like any caring for any other um, individual. The other thing is the 24-7 helpline that the association has, uh, you can call any time, day or night. So frequently, if you're a caregiver at 3 o'clock in the morning, you're up. And maybe you need to talk to someone. You can pick up that phone and call. Let's give that number out. It's 800-272-3900. Correct. And by the way, Tenny and I, Attorney Tenny Lentz and I, have uh, some business cards for the Alzheimer's Association. It has this 24-7 helpline on it. We're happy to uh, provide these. If somebody would like one, just give us a call at our office. Uh, 508-998-8800 is how you reach Tenny. We'll have these on display at the front of our office. Um, you can just walk in and pick up one of these cards. You don't even have to see anybody. Just tell the receptionist you'd like to have one of these Alzheimer's cards. It's a terrible disease. I want to read a quotation from Judy Parfit. This is why Alzheimer's is such a terrible disease. The body of the person you love is there, but they've gone. Your husband's gone, and they become your child, and you have to look after them as you would a child. And that's really very, very true, isn't it? Mm -hmm. It's it's a very difficult. So my mother was diagnosed with early onset dementia at the age of 56. She's young, very young. She's very young. And at the time, I was 21 years old. So to have the rules flipped like that, to become the, the mother mm -hmm. for my mother at mm -hmm. such an adolescent age. And I had a younger brother who was only 18 at the time. And it really, it, it was a big learning curve, as I'm sure it is for anybody at any age, to have to take that role of caregiver for the, for the person who, wrote, who raised you and who was your caregiver, to have to flip that on its head and completely, you know, do everything for them. It's a, it's a really hard thing to do, and it's a really hard thing for people to process and work through. So at the beginning of this year, um, in January of this year, I went to a national sales conference for people who do financial products and um, I went with uh, my son and Tenny's son, Peter. And they have a number of interesting guests that came on, uh, national speakers. They had Michael Phelps, the Olympic swimmer who was on, who talked about his problems with depression, for example. Then they had a couple come out, and perfectly normal-looking couple, handsome couple, uh, man and wife. And they were introduced. We didn't know why they were there. And the husband got to the microphone and said, I have Alzheimer's. And he couldn't say a lot more than that. He had a little script that he was reading. And then his wife spoke. And she talked about her obligations and how she's taking care of him and so forth. 
And they raised funds at that event. Uh, they asked people in the audience who were probably, oh, I don't know, maybe 1,000, 2,000 people who were there at this event to consider making a significant contribution. And they raised something like $300,000 oh, wow. at this one function. That's amazing. But when you look at people who have Alzheimer's, they look perfectly normal, don't mm-hmm. they? Often. Oftentimes, un- yes. Until they engage in some behavior and then you realize that there's something wrong. Mm-hmm. And we're actually – something to t- kind of tie to that, because oftentimes you aren't aware if someone you're talking to has dementia, at the association we are providing customer service trainings for any type of organization or company that works with people on a daily basis because you may not know – that that person that you're talking to has dementia and you might just think they're a weirdo mm-hmm. or, you know, however, they could be in a really bad mood and be very blunt and you don't understand that they can't help it because it's the disease. It's not them. So we are also offering customer service trainings and we are doing first responder trainings for policemen and firefighters to better identify when they interact with somebody to see if there's the signs that are there that this person may have a neurological degenerative disease and to kind of take steps from there on how to deal with that. So. And how does somebody get more information if they're interested in the training or learning more about it? So they can call our helpline number, the okay. 800 number, and they can just call and say they heard about this on the radio and they're okay. interested in hearing more information, and then that person will uh, Excuse me. Connect them directly to our chapter. Okay, thank so you, the, Marissa. And that number is eight hundred two seven two thirty nine hundred. Yes. So the Alzheimer's Association um, is sort of pointed in two directions, if I understand it correctly. One is helping the caregiver, and the other uh, maybe research. Do you get involved with, or does the association get involved with research? Yes. So we the how the Alzheimer's Association is broken up is fundraising is one of our big principles. And then we have care, taking care of caregivers and pro, through our programs department. So that means we help run support groups. We put on programs in the community. We do these trainings for different companies and first responders. And then the other part of that is we also have a policy department. And we focus on federal and state local legislature to help caregivers and their loved ones. And so what the research part of it is, the money that we raise goes towards helping the caregivers and giving grants to local institutions for research. So luckily, we happen to live in a state that is very well known for our our research (coughs) up in Boston. So we we are able to give grants and give funding to different research being done at Mass General Hospital, at Brigham and Women's, at the BU Medical Center, all this research that's going on right in our backyard that is some of the best research in the world regarding this disease. The money that is fundraised in our state and at these walks goes directly towards those research grants. Okay, that's good to know. I'd like to give you a quotation from a medical doctor, Michael Greger is his name. In my clinical practice, the one diagnosis I have always dreaded giving was Alzheimer's. Billions have been spent on research but there's still neither a cure nor an effective treatment. And that's why the research is so important, isn't mm-hmm. it? It is. Because and we're, we're lucky because at a federal level, we, it's, we could say the one bipartisan issue right now that everybody can agree on is giving more funding to Alzheimer's disease. And every year for the last three years, we've been able to get a $400 million-plus uh, funding boost when it comes to the National Institute of Health. Oh, that's good mm-hmm. to hear. Well, it's something that everybody is afraid of. Nobody wants to have it. I've had families in my office before, and I've had people who said, I have a, a mother who died of Alzheimer's. I have a brother who has it, and I've, it's in my family genetically. 
and so it's a great concern. And so I'd like to turn to Attorney, Attorney, Lance, Attorney Lance for just a minute. Except you can't say my name. <laughs> no, I still remember your name. <laughs> but, um, Tenny, what are some of the things people should do ahead of time so that if they ever become afflicted with Alzheimer's, somebody can help take care of them? What are the, some of the critical documents that somebody ought to have, for example? Well, if you're dealing with somebody with Alzheimer's or if you're dealing uh, simply with some kind of other affliction, it's so important to have a variety of documents in place. Not a huge number, but some are absolutely critical. You should have either a will or a trust or preferably both. You should have a durable power of attorney for property. That allows somebody who you name as agent to take over the uh, business side of, of your life if necessary, whether that means going to the bank or filing your income tax or whatever is needed. But a durable power of attorney for property is so important because it can keep the family out of probate court where they might have to go to seek something called a conservator if you don't have the durable power of attorney. And the conservator basically does the same thing as your agent. It's just that you don't have control over the appointment. And the other very critical document is a health care power of attorney so that somebody can help make decisions about your body. Um, and without that document, somebody might be in court seeking a guardianship. Nobody wants to go to court for either of those actions, and it's so easy um, when you're at a point where you know that you should be doing these documents to come in and get them done and not wait until it's too late. If, they, if there is no capacity, then uh, mental capacity, then you cannot do these documents any longer. So come in while you're in good health and get them done. And I know sometimes that if you think that it's a borderline question about whether somebody has capacity or not, you'll actually reach out to the family and say, take this person to the doctor and get the doctor to sign a brief letter that says they have sufficient mental capacity to know what they're signing. Yes, we do that um, simply because we want to be certain. We don't know these people terribly well. The doctor knows them much better. And if they're in front of us and they exhibit some of the odd behavior that Marissa was talking about, then we want to be sure that the documents they put in place are legal and are properly notarized and witnessed. So this, this part of the discussion is it's not just focused on uh, things like trust where we talk a lot about the financial side of doing trust versus wills and so forth. And it's important to take care of your finances. But the trust also says that you can be your own trustee while you're capable of being your own trustee. But if you're no longer capable, the trust always names a successor trustee who can immediately step in and take over. Right. What you're talking about, Ray, is um, taking care of yourself and your family both while you're alive and after you're gone. And today we're talking about how to take care of yourself and your family while you're alive. Get these documents in place so others could help you if needed. One of the other negative things of having somebody go into court to be named your conservator or your guardian is that you have to have a doctor sign a, a statement that says you're incompetent. You're no longer able to take care of yourself. And somebody has to go into court and make a representation that this person is incompetent. Most people would not want that to be said about themselves. 
So the the object here is if you do documents ahead of time, nobody ever has to go into court and have you declared incompetent effectively. Correct. And it, and it really is a demeaning kind of uh, situation when someone has to go to the doctor to get that form filled out and then take it into a public gathering at the court and talk about how ill you are. It's it's not pleasant. I want to make one more uh, quick comment, and then we're going to come back to a couple of other questions. Um, and I, I want to say that if you're an older person listening and you're thinking, yes, I should do this and take care of this so I won't be a burden to my children and my affairs can be taken care of, that's that's good. But if you're a child or a family member or a relative and you're thinking that, gee, I wonder if my parents uh, have done this, then have that conversation with your parents as well. Absolutely. Barbara, um, you agree. I want to add – well, I want to add um, I am a great proponent of – having the conversation um, with your family with, with before it's critical. Um, what are your end-of-life issues? What are your end-of-life wishes? Um, we were fortunate. We had had that conversation long before it became an issue. Mm, um, and I feel so strongly, I, I recommend um, uh, Atul Gawande, a physician, um, has written this ph- fabulous book called Being Mortal. And as a physician, he said the same thing. I wasn't talking to my uh, patients about their end-of-life wishes. And I would see people in the nursing home um, being kept in a dementia unit with feeding tubes. And that's that's, Mm – I'm sorry. Um, You need to know and your kids need to know – and what what your wishes are, and um, I've I've had that conversation with my sister, who is now my healthcare proxy. I'm going to ask you to uh, repeat the name of that book because I just bought it recently myself. Um, I've also I've I've bought and read, and I'm a proponent of his first book, which is called The Checklist Manifesto, and I've recommended that to many people. But uh, repeat the name of his. The uh, book is Being Mortal, and it's by Atul Gawande. Um, I just recently loaned it to a friend of mine who's a, a social worker, and she just was – this book is fabulous. She said, I'm getting copies for people who I think need to read mm-hmm. it. Nobody wants to have the co- – I have good friends who are in their 70s and who – oh, no, I'm not going to talk about that. I'm like, okay. Um. Well, Tenny and I have one daughter and one son, and anytime I talk about documents or the future or what happens when you're going to take care of me, he says, oh, I don't want to talk about that. I don't want to talk about that. Well, children often don't like to talk about it. So a few months ago, we actually did a show on the radio here um, called uh, Critical Conversations. And, and if you ever want to go back and listen to any of the radio shows, they're all on the website. They've all been archived onto our website, um, and you can go and listen to any of those shows. Um, but we're, we're thrilled to have uh, Marissa Bresnahan, who's the uh, development officer for the Alzheimer's Association, and Barbara Meehan, who I'm going to call you number one volunteer for <laughs> That's Alzheimer's. That's a good title for her. <laughs> number one volunteer. But the, one of the important points I want to make this morning, ladies and gentlemen, is that Marissa um, had a strong motivation because her mother was diagnosed with Alzheimer's at age 56. Yes. Holy cow. That's yeah. young. Yeah. Uh, Barbara, you had a partner who had Alzheimer's. Danny's mother had Alzheimer's. Yep. And my mother had All Alzheimer's. So this is a far more common problem than people want to think about. 
Mm-hmm. And you got to keep yourself in shape. You've got to make sure you have legal documents in shape. And if you do those two things, then at least you're going to have some opportunity to be uh, better off in the future. Either you're going to live longer without dementia. Uh, maybe you won't uh, come down with Alzheimer's. Alzheimer's is not just de- uh, hereditary. Uh, I guess there's like a 50% link that if somebody in your family has had um, Alzheimer's or dementia, you may have it as well. But I've already outlived my own father, um, his life expectancy. Uh, he uh, died younger than I am right now. Um, we're living healthier today than we ever did before. But you really have to make a bit of an effort to do things like exercise and live healthy. I mentioned a few minutes ago, I watched a, a little news uh, broadcast recently on uh, CBS News in the morning uh, about the University of Vermont. They're doing something interesting, but I think it has a good lesson for all of us. The uh, incoming freshmen now can choose to sign into a wellness program where they're making a pledge that for at least a year, they're not going to smoke, they're not going to drink, they're not going to do drugs, they're going to do healthy lifestyle, healthy eating, yoga, exercise, and so forth. And about 40% of the population in the University of Vermont is now doing this. And the message was this, um, the, the main message in the uh, There's a professor who's leading this effort, and it's spreading across other campuses around the country. What he said was, at the age of 17 or 18 or 19, when you're going into college, you do not have a fully developed brain. It takes a while longer, and so don't put these bad substances into your body because it's going to impact you. But that's a lifetime lesson, isn't it? Mm -hmm. And if you're going to live a lifestyle where you're not watching what you eat and you're not exercising and you're not taking care of yourself, you're going to be much more susceptible to some of these things. Let me mention a couple couple of numbers before our time runs out. Good. Um, I want to talk about if you are a caregiver and you need some help, call this number for a 24-hour, seven-day-a-week helpline. And the number is 800 Two seven two three nine zero zero. But I also want to mention the number for the regional office for Alzheimer's Association in Rainham. If maybe you want to be a volunteer, like Barbara, and that number is five zero eight 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 zero 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 five five. Two important numbers. Probably the helpline is more critical. Uh, let me mention it again: eight hundred. Two seven two three nine zero zero. If you have a difficult time in the middle of the night on a Saturday, somebody will be there to help you through it. That's I understand it. Mm-hmm. If you'd like to talk more about that, that would be good. Thank you. I, yeah, I like to call them my personal therapist. <laughs> they're they're really it's an absolutely great resource because you get someone who knows what they're talking about, and you can call for about. Absolutely anything. You can do the 3 a.m., you know, worried calls. Or if you're just having a bad day and you need someone to talk to, you can also call if you want to get involved in volunteering, if you want to get involved in one of our fundraisers, if you want to hear more about what we're doing with policy, you know, statewide or federal, you can call and ask this helpline any questions or just talk to them about anything and they will be there to point you in the right direction. Well, women are at a much higher risk for Alzheimer's and dementia than men are, aren't they? Yes, they are. And actually, women of color are predisposed. I can never say that. Predisposed. Thank you. Predisposed uh, to be um, three times more likely than a white woman. 
to be diagnosed with the disease. So interesting. women of color are at a higher risk and women in general are at a huge risk. And women's odds increase uh, for having these uh, afflictions and diseases after menopause, I've also read. Well, it's a very expensive proposition uh, in this country. Um, it's predicted that in the next 20 years approximately, uh, the cost of dementia and Alzheimer's care is going to be over a trillion dollars. Mm-hmm. So to put that in perspective, we have a national deficit right now that's around 20 or $22 trillion. Mm-hmm. Uh, and a trillion is hard to comprehend. But that's a big number. It's a big number. It will bankrupt our country if uh, we do not actively work towards finding a cure for it. So um, are, are you, uh, Marissa, and are you, Barbara, both doing what you can for healthy exercise and, and watch what you eat and everything else? Say yes. 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 <laughs> <laughs> I try. Um, I, I wanted to say when you were talking about the financial piece, it is the most expensive illness to treat. Um, Partially because very often you've got um, co-occurring illnesses with the dementia. I discovered with my partner that um, – and it was when I was just beginning to think there was an issue – that for two months she had not been taking her blood pressure medication or her cholesterol medication. And and you find you know people who might be diabetic who don't know what they should – just don't remember to do the things they do need to do. Um, so that's an additional thing um, that that plays into um, the illness. Mm. Well, we're going to wrap up in about one minute. I'd like to thank uh, both Marissa and Barbara for being with us today and giving us more information about Alzheimer's. Again, the number of the helpline is 800-272-3900. Or give Tenny a call at 508-998-8800. This is a quote from Patty Davis who talked about her father, Ronald Reagan. My father started growing very quiet as Alzheimer's started claiming more of him. The early stages of Alzheimer's are the hardest that the person uh, is aware that they're losing awareness. And I think that's why my father started growing more and more quiet. And um, my last quotation is... Alzheimer's caregivers are heroes. Lisa Gibbons. Absolutely. Yep. And they are. So thank you both for what you do. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for listening. And we'll see you again next Sunday morning on the radio.